0: Jesus is giving a sermon to his disciples on how to live the kingdom life in this fallen world. So we've looked at the Lord's Prayer and now we're looking through practical applications of how to live. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 7, 13-20 which can be found on the inside of the bulletin. This is Jesus speaking. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits you will recognize them. The word of the Lord. Well, one of the neat things about being a parent is you get to relive memories. My son recently grabbed an A&W root beer. And I found myself unconsciously singing the jingle. Hey, you know beer's got that frosty month? Are you with me, anyone? My son looked at me like I was from Mars or something. You know, the jingle. Okay, you know, everything had its jingle. You know, hold them, You know, all this stuff, the kids don't have a clue about. Well, I found something that I used to love as a kid. It's a book. Remember, Choose Your Own Adventure? Is anybody with me? This was a great book. You see, what you would do is you'd be reading it, And it would give you an option of which place to go. And it could be a good option or it could be a bad option. In fact, we're going to do this together. And we're going to take a little journey here. See, my sermons are just so wacky. when you think about it. Okay, you're a deep sea uh, sea explorer. And you've gotten in this sub and you've gone all the way down to the bottom. And you're resting on a ledge. If you decide to explore the ledge where uh, the sub has come to rest, turn to page 6. But if you decide to cut loose and dive even further into the canyon floor, turn to page 4. Who wants to turn to page 4? Good. Raise your hand. Okay. Who wants to turn to page 6? <laughs> oh, well. Fascinating. Uh, turn to page 4. Approval is given. The seeker slips silently to the bottom of the undersea canyon and has a whole new host of discoveries they never would have seen. The people who decided to go outside encounter a giant octopus which engulfs them, squishes them, and your trip is over before you even begin. Oh. <laughs> so you guys are obviously wise. Page four. Remember, you chose wisely. You know, life is about decisions, isn't it? I remember when I was leaving Young Life Staff in 1999, uh, I was taking a job in Williamsburg, and my family was uh, down in the Outer Banks. So I'd come up to negotiate final things, and they had a couple things to do. So I was driving home, and i get a call from my friend who says, look, they're looking for people in Virginia Beach. I think you will be the perfect guy for this job. Why don't you come and interview But You have to do it today. And so as I'm going along, do I take a right and go down to the outer banks? Or do I take a left? I took a left. And and behold, here I am. It's interesting how life is about decisions. See, Jesus is talking about a decision, isn't he? Enter through the narrow gate. There's one gate that leads to life. And there's another gate that leads to destruction. See, what Jesus is trying to say is that amidst all the decisions we make, where we'll go to school, who we'll marry, what kind of job we'll take, there's a big decision that dwarfs them all. The decision of what we will choose, life or death. The question we have to ask is, how will we know? How do we know to go to page four or to go to page six? it's so hard sometimes to understand what the path is that lies ahead of us. And so Jesus is speaking to this very issue right here. And what Jesus is essentially saying is this, if you want to find the path that leads to life, you need a guide who knows the way. If you want to find a path that leads to life, you need a guide who knows the way. Well, Jesus is saying in this passage that there are really three decisions you have to make. Number one, you have to decide because there is a path you must take. There's a path you must get on and go. But if there is a path you must take, then number two, there is a leader you must choose. We're not on this road alone. There's someone that we must follow. And then finally, there's a life you must live. We must live with our decision and press on with the decision that we made. Because if you want to find the path that leads to life, you need a guide who knows the way. Well, let's take a look at this. Number one, there is a path that you must take. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now keep in mind Jesus is preaching to his disciples as well as this crowd that's gathered around them. And they're all alive, right? They're the living, and they're listening to this passage. So Jesus isn't just talking about living. He's talking about life. It's a big difference between living and life, isn't there? Nobody's challenging him, by the way, as they hear this preaching, because they all intuitively understand, like we do, that there's more to life than just living. See, we're seeking for that, aren't we? Our whole life is seeking for life. People, by our very nature, are searchers. We're searching for something. And there appear to be two roads to take. In fact, you see this theme throughout the entire Bible. It speaks of these two roads, these two groups of people. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Blessed is the man who stands not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Not so the wicked. See, Jesus is saying there's two doors. But the question I want to ask is, what about door number three? Surely there has to be another option. Anybody remember Monty Hall? Let's make a deal. Some people, what Monty Hall? Let's make a deal. You know, it wasn't that was a little bit before my time, but my show was The Price is Right. And remember Bob Barker, The Price is Right. And they would go ahead and they'd get over there, they'd spin the wheel. This giant wheel would start spinning, and the big guys would really crank the wheel. And I'd always wonder, as I saw that, I wonder if that wheel was gonna come off this axis and roll off and crush some contestant. See, this is what a nine-year-old thinks about when they're watching The Price is Right. Well, at the very end, it was the Showcase Showdown, remember? Three contestants, Showcase Showdown, and they would go through prize number one, and they'd pull it away, and then prize number two, and they'd pull it away, and then prize number three, a new car! It was always a new car! I was just waiting for them to say a new car because there are three choices. There's always three choices. But Jesus is saying, no, there's only two choices. In fact, he's speaking in the imperative tense in the Greek, enter into. This is something we have to do. Well, let's talk a little bit about these two paths. You can learn a lot about them. First of all, there are two ways. You see, it says here that there's a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to destruction. The word way in the Greek could just as easily be translated road. It's a road. In fact, we even use this term when we talk about highways. Highways are roads. But Jesus is also talking, he's speaking in the active tense. So he could just as easily have said this. The way is easy that is leading to destruction, and those who are entering it are many. In other words, this is something that's happening right now. It's not a door that you are going to. It's a door you have already walk through. If you want to know where the road is, look around. You're standing on it. It's something that's already occurring. And we we'll to learn a little bit about the easy way and the hard way. The easy way, you could translate it. If you translate it, it would be roomy, wide, and spacious. See, this way that leads to construction is it's roomy. There's room for it. I recently discovered what I consider one of the greatest secrets of Virginia Beach driving. In fact, Hampton Roads driving. It's the HOV lane that you jump into right there over by the Naval Base uh, off, uh, what's the road? Uh, Tidewater Drive. I take my son, I pick up my son from Norfolk Christian where he goes to school. You know, five o'clock, six o'clock after practice. And I used to get on 64 and just grind it out with a million of my favorite friends driving at about 15 miles an hour. And then we found out that if you take this back road, you can hop onto the HOV lane and it is smooth sailing. I tell you what, when I found this, it was quite liberating because there's no one on this road. I mean, it is wide, it is spacious, it is roomy. I haven't seen employee, I've not seen a place for maybe once on that road. There's no one else on it. I mean, I can do anything I want on this road. I could do donuts on this road. I could drive backward on this road. I could pull off to the side and tailgate on this road. Because it's my road. It's wide and it's broad. See, the issue is this. without that, that road, you can do anything you want. There are no guardrails. You know, Jesus isn't speaking about a physical way, is he? He's speaking about a spiritual way. But you see, in this way, there are no guardrails. guardrails. You can think whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want you want it's all yours because it's broad and it's roomy and it's spacious and there's room for everybody who wants to come but now we hear about the hard way the hard way it's a very interesting word this word um, it's the word that's used when you crush grapes in a wine press that it's a narrow way it's hard There's, there's pressure in it unlike the easy way where there are no guardrails this way has guardrails See, truth is not invented in this HOV lane, it's revealed, and it must be followed. There's a path that you must take, and you must not deviate from it if you choose the hard way. It was C.S. Lewis in his autobiography that said this, At age 13, I began to broaden my mind. I was soon altering, I believe, to one does feel, and oh the relief of it. From the tyrannous noon of revelation, I passed into the cool evening twilight of higher thought, where there was nothing to be obeyed and nothing to believe, except that which was comforting or exciting. The broad way and the narrow way. But there's not only a way, there's a gate that you have to enter to go into this way. See, he talks about two gates here. There's a wide gate and there's a narrow gate. Now, no background on gates. Gates were a big deal back in ancient times. Because people lived in walled cities, okay, to to protect themselves from outsiders. But there had to be a way to get in the city and out of the city, and that was the gate. And as such, that was the most vulnerable part of the city. There was even a saying, he who controls the gate, controls the city. And such, such, it was heavily armored. Sometimes there was a series of four to six gates that you would have to go through to get inside the city. It was heavily armored. At night, they would close the city gates and they could decide who would come in and who wouldn't. For instance, lepers could not come inside the city walls. The gate was a way for in and out, but it was also a place of judgment. See, the elders would come and they would sit at the city gates and they would render judgment on the people there as if to signify you can stay or you can go. Gates were a place of judgment. And so we hear, uh, we hear in this passage that there is a wide gate. See, this wide gate is always open. It's always available. It never closes. This wide gate is big. You can take everything you want. It's not 12 feet wide. In fact, it's 200 feet wide. If you miss looking around, you may not even realize that there's a gate at all. It's broad and spacious. You can bring everything that you want. But there's another gate that's narrow. It's not wide. In fact, you may have to take things off to be able to get in it. Maybe you can't bring even your luggage because it's so tight. Jesus refers to it in other places as going through the eye of a needle. It's very, very tight. I remember a couple of, uh, of weeks ago, uh, we had this two-car driveway, and sometimes we don't park uh, one of the cars in the garage. And so we both park. But sometimes... We don't park exactly like we'd like to. Now, I'm not gonna say it's my fault, and I'm not gonna say it's her fault. I'm gonna say it's our fault, okay? But these things are tight. (laughs) must be true, it's my fault, okay? These cars are tight, I gotta go somewhere, but I gotta get in the driver's seat. So I got my luggage here, and I'm trying to get in, and there's about enough, enough room for just myself. People have told me that I'm a slender fellow, Well, it might be true, but I needed to literally get rid of everything in order to get through. See, that's what he's saying. This narrow gate is small. See, there's two gates, there are two ways, and there's two destinations. There's an end to this road. It stops somewhere. It's not a road that keeps going on and on and on. There's a destination that leads to destruction, or leads to life. And finally, there are two crowds on these roads. See, one who's entering the white it, there are many. There are many. If you look around on the white gate, guess what? On the white it's a party. It's fantastic. Everybody's enjoying one another. We're having a great time. We're taking it easy because the white, everybody's on it. Must be going the right way. But the narrow way, it's hard. There's a few people going on. In fact, sometimes it feels like you're all alone, trudging in this narrow way. But sure enough, both of these ways lead to two destinies. Now, some people can say, no, it doesn't. The road just keeps on going on and on. If we're honest with one another, that's not true, is it? Because we're all heading to a destiny, and that destiny is called death. Death is something that used to happen in our house. You know, Grandma's house, where they die in the upper room? You now, death is something very sterile and antiseptic that you have to walk through five hospital doors to get. See, the problem is that we are 100% terminal. Death is 100% fatal. We will, in the end, walk through that gate. It's interesting, when you're younger, you think you're immortal. You know, you can't die. I mean, you're just... But as you get older, you get nicked up a little bit more, and you realize that I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I got to see a cross-country meet uh, yesterday. My son was running from Norfolk Christian in a cross-country meet, so he went to Richmond to watch him run. You know, it's fascinating watching a race, you know? People get on a the race, they're focused, they're concentrated because they know that they're gonna be in a lot of pain for the next 20 minutes. I used to, I remember when I ran, uh, a while ago, I ran the Boston Marathon in 2006. Fantastic honor and privilege to run the Boston Marathon. The, the granddaddy of them all, as they say. So I'm running the Boston Marathon. This is a, this is a life dream. You know, right at the beginning, it's great. The crowd is fantastic. But you know, the Boston Marathon is very different, the terrain is very different than Virginia Beach. Because it's downhill, and then it's uphill. Downhill, you would think, oh, this is easy. But no, you're actually using your quads to slow down, okay? And then when you're really in pain, they turn you up. And it wasn't long before I was a hurting puppy, okay? I didn't know where I was. I didn't know when the finish line was. There was easy, there was food, there were restaurants all about. I could have just popped off and had Italian or something. Okay, but I wanted to keep going, even though I couldn't see the finish line. But I do remember rounding the corner. And there it was. That finish line that I had seen on TV so often, the, the arches, the Boston Marathon. And a smile broke out in my face because I knew that I had made it the hard way was worth it. See, there's more to life than simply the path that we're on right now. Our desire is the Garden of Eden. Our desire is through those gates back to God. That's what we're looking for. So what must we do? First of all, we must get serious. We have to recognize that there is a road and we are on it. It's only when we get the proper perspective and we look around that we can start to get a sense that there's something bigger than this life that I am leading right now. We have to recognize which road that we are on. But the way we do that is by researching. We recognize we have to then look around. Let's figure out what road that we're on. We have to research. What does the way that I'm on look like? Is it easy? Am I on cruise control? It's all relaxing. No problems. In fact, I get upset when it gets hard because it's not supposed to be hard. What's the gate? He's walked through. I don't even remember a gate. Well, there it is. I'm cruising along. The gate's easy. I can have anything I want. I can believe anything I want. It's all me. Or the gate tight? Hard. I've got to take off stuff in order to squeeze into this gate. What about the crowd? Is it the party? Everybody's on this road. It's fantastic. I must be going the right way. Everybody's going the right way. Or is it lonely at times? And you wonder if you're in the right place. You don't see the thing Ask me the question, should I continue? If we should recognize and research, then we must respond. The beauty of the wide way is there's always an off-ramp to the narrow way. But it's harder. It's not going to be easier. It's hard. But the point is that it needs the place that you want like. it because the most powerful life is a purpose-filled life. If you want to find a path that leads to life, you need a God who knows the way. Well, this leads me to my second point. We talked about the path you must choose. Now I want to talk about the leader you must choose. Look, as Jesus says here, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And okay, what does Jesus translate and move from the path to false prophets. Because what he's saying is you're going to need a guide. You're going to need someone to lead you on this path. And he's saying that what you need is a prophet. Now a couple of background things about a prophet. Remember in the Old Testament these guys would show up. I mean they were weird, you know. And they'd say, thus says the Lord. Something, 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 something. If you do this, A. But if you do this, B. Okay, the word prophet in Hebrew, navi, means prophet fruit of the lips, meaning they brought the words of God, and they were to be listened to and obeyed. The prophets condemned, and they also heralded. Where Jesus is uh, saying watch out for false prophets, literally pseudo-prophets. They look like prophets. They come speaking as if they have the words of God, but they don't at all. They take God-like power, God-like authority, and they tell you where you must go, or else. But they're not from God at all. They're fakes. They're pseudo-prophets. And Jesus says, watch out for them, because they are in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. In other words, they're disguised. Now, why would someone disguise themselves if only they wanted to hide their true appearance? See, they come to you, and they want to look very safe. But the truth of the matter is, they're very malevolent. I go off topic just a to, uh, 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 tinge here. Has anyone heard the the, state, uh, the phrase "booth babes"? Please, someone help me. Okay, booth babes. All right, I'm really going off here. When I was a business guy and I'd go to conferences, some uh, uh, businesses would hire attractive women to stand at their booths. They didn't know anything about the products. Okay, they were simply supposed to stand there and look pretty. Because it has been scientifically proven that when men are around an attractive woman, they temporarily lose their cognitive functions. <laughs> okay, this is why I walk in my door and I'm like an idiot. Okay? Because you know, there's my wife and I'm like, well, oh no, yeah, we'll do whatever. Take my wallet, you know? <laughs> The point is, that's what's going on here. This look so attractive. Come on. Come buy what I'm selling. See, there are false prophets in the world and also in the church. What about the false prophet that holds out money? Listen, if you build this empire, if you have enough, if you build your security, you can have it all. The road leads to life if you walk on the stocks and the bonds and all the you can have in this world? What about the false prophet of beauty? You can be beautiful. And if you're beautiful, if you have splendor, the world will love you. And so there's the cosmetics and the magazines and all the work that needs to go in to trying to be beautiful. It was Barry Kay that said, I don't sell cosmetics, I sell hope. The way, the path of life. What about love? The false prophet, false prophet of love? See, all these things aren't bad, but it's when they become ultimate things, when they move being servants to idols, that you have a problem. What about the false prophet of love? And if you can find that someone, that person who's out there, that special person, then you can find love. You can find satisfaction. You can find peace. Just turn on the radio and listen to rock music. They're worship songs sung for a person. What about the false prophet of power? You can be the titan, you can make a name in your industry, you can have the corner office. When you walk by, people will look at you and they'll whisper and they'll say, there goes somebody important. See, there are all sorts of false prophets in the world, but there are also false prophets in the church. Remember Acts, where Jesus, uh, where Paul says, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So, elders, keep watch over yourselves and the shepherds, because I know that when I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away the disciples after them. See, there are beautiful people that stand in a pulpit like this and preach, but not necessarily the gospel. i may be one of them. The devil always comes in a tuxedo. So you have to look. You have to understand what is going on here. Someone that preaches an easy Jesus. No demands. You just come on in. He'll make you a better husband. He'll give you a better life. Everything's going to be great. Just follow him. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that I am the way the truth my life. And if you want me, you lose your life so that you might gain it. See, Jesus says these false prophets, you can recognize them, by their fruits. It's not what they say, but it's what they bear. Is this false profit of money? Does it lead to joy? Or does it lead to workaholism and bankruptcy? Does this beauty lead to peace? Or does it lead to anorexia and believing? Does love lead to this wonderful peace? Or does it lead to unmet expectations? Power. We all know what power, absolute power does. It corrupts absolutely. See, what is this disguised prophet, this false prophet? He's evil. His name is Satan. Now, some of you might say, Satan, it's kind of old-fashioned. You don't really believe in good and evil. He's got you right where he wants you, doesn't he? If you don't believe in Satan, just turn on the TV and watch the news. Pay attention to what's going on, because you're going to have to follow people. I found a new app recently for my iPhone. Okay? It's called Ways. Anybody have this? Waze. See, no one knows A&W Root Beer, and no one has Waze. I'm really educating your people, okay? Okay, Waze is a GPS application for my iPhone. It's fantastic, okay? Because sometimes I'm driving somewhere, and I don't know how to get there. And I am terrible with directions. I'm a humble man. I'm admitting it. I'm terrible with directions, okay? So I punch in the coordinates, and it starts talking to me. In hey, 500 feet, take a ride. Take a ride now. And if I pass it, it automatically reroutes me to where I'm supposed to go. Where this thing is even cool, cooler is that other people who are using it can very quickly put in data on what's going on uh, where they're at. So even ahead, I can see, oh, there's an accident right here. There's heavy traffic. I'm going to go right. I'm going to miss it. And I'm going to go left. Right. See, when I first got this app, I'm going, oh, no. You know, maybe it's old data or something. This thing's going to lead me down the primrose path. But what I've discovered is that it's reliable. That what I type in, it's taking me to where I want to go. And that this information that's been left for me by other people is actually accurate. It's leading me to the place I know. You see, the fruit that it's bearing shows me that the message it's giving is consistent. So the question I have to ask you, my friends, is this. Who are you following? What's the ways, if you will, that you are taking? You're a bright, young businessman. Things are really hitting for you. You've got a great thing going with your company. More opportunities. The sales are falling. The the people, the boss is excited for you, and he keeps loading on work, and you keep on taking it because you know that one day, at the end of the road, you will have all the things that you're looking for. See, the leader that we follow is whatever we're counting on to lead us to life. And so we must not only look at the path, but we must look at the leader. Is this leader that you're following, is he ahead of you or is he behind you? Is he saying, come on, or is he pushing you, saying, go this way? This leader that you follow is he loving or is he cunning? Is he sincere or is he slick? See, you have to understand who this leader is. If the first part about the path was getting serious, the second part is you've got to get smart. Because time is running out. See, the point of this is it's important to see who's leading us. Because if there is a false prophet, that can only mean that there is a true prophet. See, the one who we are looking to lead us is Jesus, who is the true prophet. The only way we can find the path that leads to life is the guy who knows the way. Jesus is the one who has gone before us. Indeed, gone into the very grave and has come out. He's not only gone to death, he's gone through death. And he's gone to life. And he's come to us. See, how can we be sure that he is the path, that we are on the right way? Because he is the way and the truth and the life. He is the one who has created the way through the flaming sword. By taking that punishment upon himself. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body. He is the way, so we know that we can find the way through him. But he's not only the way, he's the gate that we can walk through. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, there's judgment at the gate, remember? The elders sit at the gate and decide who will come in and who will be thrown out. But there is no judgment at this gate for those who follow Jesus Christ, because the judgment has already been given. And we can been found, if you follow, not as not guilty, but rather as righteous and as something. It doesn't matter if you're a leper. It doesn't matter if your life's a mess. It doesn't matter if you have screwed up. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the gate for anyone who will walk in. Jesus is not only the way, he's not only the gate, but he is the destination. See, Jesus is not the means to the end. He is the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the life. He's the one that we're looking for. So Jesus says that this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. We're on a mission. We're on a road that leads not to a destination, but to God Himself. He is the path. He is the guide. He is the destination. And finally, He is the guide. See, this guy, he doesn't beguile us from inside the gate. Come, come be your part. But Jesus is the one who went outside the gate. See, we weren't looking for Jesus, but he went looking for us. See, we were on the path to destruction, but he went on the offering because he wanted to find us. We see here that in Hebrews, the writer says, do not be carried away by strange teaching which are of no value, because we have an altar for which those people who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy to his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, for we here do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. See, Jesus went outside the gate. You know where Jesus was crucified? It's a trash dump. Oh God, outside the city gates. He came to find us. The cross was his signal. It was his promise that he would leave his home. I heard an interesting story recently. I don't know if you saw this story. It was about three months ago. About the mayor of Newark, New Jersey. Great guy, his name was Cory Booker and he was the mayor of New Jersey, and he was coming home with his security detail, and lo and behold, the house next to him was on fire. And he heard screams from from downstairs because there was a girl upstairs, and she couldn't get to him. Booker, who was a former uh, offensive uh, lineman for Stanford University and a Rhodes scholar to boot, was restrained by his security detail who were charged with protecting him. But he shoved them off, ran into the burning building, went up, Got this gal, managed to get them down, and the detective ran in, and they were done. The smoke in the she managed to pull them out, and he was taken uh, to the ER, and so was this girl. And when they asked, "What were you thinking?" I said this, simply, "This. I couldn't, I couldn't leave her to die. It was my responsibility. It was my duty to run into that burning building. See, that's Jesus. He runs into the burning building so that we." I get off the path of destruction and go to the path of life. We need a guide. Have you chosen yours? You must choose your leader because at the end of the day, my final word. there's a life we must live. Are we going to live this life, Schlepping along? Or are we going to choose the hard path? When things get difficult and it's narrow and we wonder, can I turn the corner? We can look to Jesus because he says to us, I I will never leave you or forsake you. When it's struggling, when we can't see the finish line, we can look to our leader. We can fix our eyes on Jesus who says, Lo, that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will leave you. I will prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. I will not leave you or forsake you. The road is hard, but he won't leave us. And so my encouragement for you is this. If you haven't gotten off the off-ramp, the road to destruction, the time is now. We need the road that leads to heaven. You need someone who will run into a burning building and rescue you. That person is Jesus. If you're on the road and you're struggling, fix your eyes not on things here, but on things above. Fix your heart on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. And so do not run like a man running aimlessly. Do not fight like a man... Be in the air. Now train your body and make it your slave on this journey so that you will not be disqualified for the prize. And if you trust in him, he not only will give you life, he will live. Enough life to sustain you. He will lead you to the eternal life you've been looking for. Because if you want to find the way that leads to life, there's only one who can show you. The God who knows the way, who's been there and back, and take you in his life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the path, the way that we can travel, that leads right through the gate guarded by your angels, right through the flaming sword of judgment, to the very throne of God. For we can become sons and daughters, though we were enemies, because of you, your gate that you have opened through your body. Lord, help us to recognize what is going on, to get serious about our life. And Lord, help us to get smart, to look at the leaders that we're following. To see if indeed we are following your footsteps or being beguiled, distracted, disguised as Prophet leading us. And finally, let us walk. Walk in faith. Walk in assurance that you are with us all the way to me. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.